What is up, everyone, and welcome to episode 122 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley. So this is uh, a fun week. We have two guests on the line. I'm going to hand it over to my dad here in a second and um, bring our guests in to our show. Okay. Hello, I've got today on the line, I got Dave Rarig and Paul Hi, Hi guys. How you doing, Joe? How are you guys? How you doing? Good, good. Did I say Paul's last name right? Egri? It's, it? it's Egri. Egri. My bad. And, no uh, problem. <laughs> and uh, I, I know I've gotten I a lot worse. <laughs> when I talked to Dave on the phone earlier uh, last week, I guess it was, I... I did pronounce his name right, so that was good. Um, so what uh, what you guys do is, uh, I know I talked to Paul. I was put in touch with you, by the way, um, with um, Jeff Grove uh, from Craftsman, Carolina Craftsman Kits. He's the one to put me in touch uh, with Paul. You can blame and, Jeff for uh, this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you guys, you guys can blame Jeff for putting me on the spot. But... Um, and then, of course, uh, he was saying how you do the paper models and uh, how you, you Paul designs them. And then I talked to Paul on the phone uh, after that, and he mentioned that Dave does a lot of the building of the structures. Yes. And, you, and Paul does the design work. Well, so, Dave does his own design work also. <laughs> oh, okay. But, okay. but we, work, we work on totally different bases. He uses... Uh, he uses the model builder program, and he does an absolutely fantastic job with it. I have no idea how he does it. <laughs> and I use nothing more than uh, MS Paint for Windows 10. Oh, that, wow. I'm interested in that a little. I'm actually interested in what both of you have to do. And But my dad said you could you could literally sit down in, in an hour or so and do a whole pattern of, of for a building out in just Microsoft Paint. Yeah. That's crazy. So we'll have to dig into that a little bit as we move well, on. Well, it takes a little more than an hour. But well, I don't I'm sure. Saying that. I don't you did. an hour. You did. Uh, well, I <laughs> said I, I could teach anybody over the phone in ah. about an hour just to That's move things around. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what it said. <laughs> All right. By we, the way, you guys, have, you don't know. We, I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. an hour, I think. Well, what? Well, when we on the show, one of the things that we do is we like to Brett and I will banter back and forth a little bit, so we have some fun with that. And uh, I guess that's a father son thing. But um, anyhow, um, so so before we get into that, before we get into that, because we're fascinated with it, especially Brett, because he works with uh, you know computer graphics. I do a lot of else. graphics. Yes, and um, before we get into all that, what was before you started doing paper modeling? Let's get some history here. Um, what, what, where did you guys begin? We'll start, we'll start with, uh, Dave. Let's start with Dave this time. Where did you guys begin with your, um, model railroading? When you started that type of thing before you got to this? Well, I, I guess I'd have to say I got started when I was, I don't know, probably 10 or 11 years old. Uh, one Christmas time, my dad bought my brother and I each locomotive Mm -hmm. uh, we had really nothing much of anything else except that we had an American Flyer S gauge layout that we put down at Christmas time. But one year he bought us each an HO scale locomotive, and uh, we ran them till the wheels fell off. <laughs> they were they were <laughs> the uh, the after and rubber band drive kind that you know went about 
300 miles per hour and, and uh, <laughs> didn't really last, didn't last very long. But uh, that was kind of my introduction to it. And then through my junior high school years and into high school, I was more or less into building uh, control line model airplanes. Uh, the model railroading kind of went by the wayside until I actually, until I got out of college. <clears throat> I was attending Penn State and starting my first term in uh, grad school and I happened to go downtown to into State College and looking around a hobby shop, which, you know, I was just like to look at stuff. And they had a N-scale uh, Mini Tricks Pacific, mm -hmm. Pacific locomotive. And on the display, I thought, oh, man, that was really neat. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, uh, for about, I don't know, I think it was 29 or $30 at the time, uh, I walked out of the shop with a mini trips Pacific and a, a loop of uh, Rapido, uh, about eight inch radius track. I'm not sure how the engineer stayed on it, but it did. And I set it up in the uh, bedroom of the. Well, it wasn't really an apartment. It was it was a uh, it was a fellow's parents' house that I was staying in that <coughs> summer term. And that's how I got back into Mile Railroading, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And that was in 1970. Right. And I, I just kind of built on it from that. As, as I got into the railroading a little bit, I actually built a couple uh, structures uh, using the old tried-and-true method of, of cardstock, strip wood, and milled siding. You know, they were, I guess... Scratch building was always in my nature because that's that's what I built first mm -hmm. was scratch built stuff. Okay. And then as years went by, I just gradually added more and more. I lived at the time in central Pennsylvania, and there was a hobby shop in uh, Montoursville, just outside of Williamsport, mm -hmm. that happens happens to be one of the better. Uh, model railroad shops in the country. It's English is model railroad supply. And once I got out of school and started teaching and had some income, I ended up going up there usually at least once a month, sometimes more often. And I very seldom walked out of the shop without spending about 50 bucks. <laughs> so I started collecting cars and locomotives and, you know, track and whatever. And, and uh, just over the years, I've gotten more and more of it. Now, as far as the hobby of, of uh, the paper modeling mm -hmm. that, that we do, that's much more recent development. Uh, right, and we're, we're going to get to that in, in just a moment. That's a big key thing for us. So I want to hear um, how they, uh, how uh, Paul got into model railroading. Yep. Was it similar? Because Dave's version matches... <laughs> Just about every guest we've had down from yes, and, Dave Murray and, and everybody that we've had on, including George Selyus, everybody started with that American Flyer or a Lionel. And, and yeah. my version my version is pretty much the same. <laughs> the only difference is uh, I lived in Glenwood, which is where the B&O yard is, uh, in Pittsburgh is. 
Oh wow! And I lived about three doors away from the from the yard main entrance. Oh. And the person who owned the who had the apartment below us happened to be a an, an engineer on the railroad. Mm-hmm. And he in turn gave my brother and myself an American Flyer set that was a uh, service award gift. And it consisted of the streamlined Pensy K4, which they had done up as the B&O Royal Blue, Mm -hmm. and a couple of passenger cars. Right. And uh, that was our introduction to uh, uh, American Flyer and trains, you know, model trains. Sure. And I guess I was about four at the time. And uh, we had a 4 by 8 layout set up permanently because this was before we even owned the television set so it was one of those that was that was my brothers and my entertainment uh to stay out of our parents way (laughs) (laughs) and uh from that point like i say my dad every christmas uh after christmas he would go to the local hardware store that sold American Flyer train sets, and he would buy one at a you know great discount. We must have had about uh, oh five or six tra- uh, American Flyer train sets, and we had set up a permanent layout in the basement of the apartment building. And uh, you know, if we weren't outside playing, you could find me and my brother downstairs playing with the trains. <laughs> Now, yeah. what, that that story is like a, a, an age-old story, uh, including myself. Same way I started the same way as a kid. You know, I'm 55 now, but I started in the 70s with my with my dad buying my brother and I train sets. Actually, before that, in the 60s, and um, you know, and it just went from there. And then, you know, I took a break from it before Brett was born here. Now he's 31 and. And not yet. A couple years ago, we got back. Well, not yet. Next month, <laughs> and we got back into it again. Uh, he came to me and said, "Dad, let's build a layout together. Let's just do it." And uh, got me back into it uh, and into doing model structures again. We talked about that. Now, the um, the the part where we get into the paper model building. Before that, did you guys do uh, you know uh, craftsman kit structures or anything along that lines? Well, prior back it. Uh, you know, back in the 60s, as a kid, I did, you know, cereal boxes, and uh, uh, model craftsmen used to have paper buildings on the back covers of their magazines, mm-hmm. okay. and I would glue them to cereal boxes. The graphics were terrible, but, you know, <laughs> uh, they, filled an air- they, they, filled, they filled an area on a layout, sure. uh, especially for someone who, quote, didn't have a job or was working a paper route. Yeah. And uh, so I, you know, always played with paper, but uh, it's one of those where, yeah, I built Campbell's kits. I built Mm -hmm. some, uh, you know, fine-scale kits in the past. Uh, To me, it's one of those, now that I'm retired... Unfortunately, my income isn't what uh, what I would say disposable. Mm-hmm. So I went back to paper, and uh, 
now with all the photographic textures and things like that, and Dave showing me ways of uh, really turning these things out and making them pop. Right. Because uh, I'll be the first to say I can design them, but uh, I am at best an average or poor builder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen Dave's work on some of the photos. I went to some of the uh, forum sites uh, this last couple of weeks, and I was looking at his work. I also went to his Reading Northern End Scale page on Facebook that uh, you gave me directed uh, right. direction to and invited me to check it out. And I was looking at his layout and end scale, and it's absolutely fabulous. It's a it's a really nice layout. People need to go there and check it out already. You know, go well, check out you, his group page. I think yeah, one of the things... I have enough good years left yet to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm, one of the... One of the things that impresses me most about Dave's layout is that little viaduct he did, and that's all paper. Oh, that's in, it's insane. Yes. It's, 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 it's impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, so, uh, um, I got started doing the uh, paper models because, uh, kind of like Paul, but even maybe more so, I've always enjoyed scratch building. Uh, mm-hmm. I built a number of fine-scale miniatures kits when I was, well... Probably in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I had a little bit of disposable income that I could afford them. And, right. Uh, I kind of kind of got put on the back burner because that was HO at that time. And I did a little HON30 or HON3 at, their, at that time. And I left that when I got into the N scale. And I really didn't do much in terms of building uh, structures with the, with the uh, end scale. Uh, I built some plastic kits and wasn't really all that happy with them. Uh, sold a bunch of them at a train show one year and just kind of laid off the hobby completely for a while, uh, but still had my collection, if you will, gathering dust. And then in 2001, I changed jobs from being in sales and marketing to being an over-the-road truck driver. And all of a sudden, I had almost no time at home that I could do any modeling at all. And it started to frustrate me. So at some point in time, this is probably about 2004, 2005 maybe, I saw an article in, I believe it was Model Railroader, it could have been Model Railroad Craftsman. I'm really not sure anymore. But it described a fellow making a brick or stone, I think it was brick, a retaining wall for his O-scale train uh, using what turned out to be a Clever Model's uh, brick paper. Now, I'd used brick paper before in, in my scratch building, but nothing that looked like this. I mean, this looked like real brick on a mm-hmm. And he went on to describe how he glued that to a substrate of, I think it was uh, probably uh, wood of some sort, basswood more than likely, to make this uh, retaining wall. And I thought about it a little bit. I thought, you know what? I could could probably do that on the road uh, in the cab of my truck. Because I had a lot of times when I would be making pickups or deliveries, uh, when you really do nothing but sit there and wait, sit in your cab and you wait for them to load your trailer or unload it or whatever. Usually right. in 
two hours, three hours. Uh, I was thinking, you know, I, I could actually do some modeling in that time, which I'm wasting, in effect, now. So I uh, went online and ordered a couple of the Clever Model kits and started assembling in my truck cab when I was on the road. I come home weekends and I use my computer download them and print them up on my printer and stick them in a briefcase and take everything with me and build them on the road. And that's basically how I got started in the resurgence, if you will, of scratch building with paper. That's pretty cool, though, because you were able to do it from your truck cab, and it doesn't, I'm sure it didn't take up a lot of space, you know, your, your materials at least. You don't have to worry about taking paints and a whole bunch of weathering agents and stuff like that on the road. None, none of that. Everything fit in a standard briefcase. Yep. Including my raw materials, my tools, <laughs> uh, my my buildings, everything I needed, I could carry in a standard briefcase. And like I said, I'd come home on weekends. I could print up a new kit, as you will, throw the papers in my briefcase, and off I go. And the only real building materials I needed were just a couple of hand tools. Uh, I used some colored markers like uh, oh, like a light gray or a medium gray color mm-hmm. uh, to color the edge of the paper where I'd cut it. And just use uh, wood glue. Sometimes I used uh, super glue, CA glue. But most of the time, just regular uh, wood glue like Almer's or uh, Eileen's or Aileen's tacky glue mm-hmm. and that's what I use for assembly yeah I, I love mean, it and that's that's super cool now how did the two of you guys meet before we get into we're gonna get we're just about to get into talking about the the model design and and paper model design and all that but how did you the two of you guys hook up and meet to where well, you are today Paul <laughs> I found I found Dave on the clever models uh uh, discussion line. Okay. And I saw some of his work, and I figured hey, I'm I'm doing a couple of buildings here, and I was making them basically from Clever Models parts, <clears throat> and I wanted to see if he was interested in building one for me because, like I say, they were I really didn't have a good handle on the assembly mm-hmm. and uh, I sent Dave a, I, I sent Dave one that I, I had just finished and I guess he was impressed enough to make it <laughs> <laughs> and it impressed the hell out of me so uh, <laughs> we wound up uh, at that point just basically teaming together and uh, my association with uh, Dave uh, got me to be a better designer because he, uh, he gave me all kinds of insights. I mean, Dave can be a picky person. <laughs> <laughs> and it, in many cases, that's a good thing. <laughs> but so, uh, now, I, in fact, sorry, I think ahead. I sent, I think the, the first thing I sent him was just a quick kit bash. I took a, uh, uh, Clever Models, uh, and if you've ever been to Clever Models site, uh, uh, I think the first first building I sent him was like a uh, 
it was a uh, triangular triangular shaped uh, building that I squared up and made four walls to instead of three. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I think it was Wally's Mercantile or something like that. And I dressed it up, uh, moved the windows around, moved, you know, made up a few more walls here and there. And uh, I think that was the first kit that I sent Dave, and he was impressed enough to build it. I have it sitting right here in my curio cabinet uh, because he was kind enough to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, go ahead, Brett. No, I was just saying I'm on the Clever Model site. They have a ton of stuff, but I know you guys have some of your own stuff too. So let's kind of get into the formation of that. How did you guys get to? Um, well, I wound up scanning a lot of European sites. Okay. Because in Europe, especially Great Britain, paper modeling and scale scenes and things like that is a big, you know, it's as, it's as big as craftsman kits are here. Oh, wow. And uh, I learned a lot of bits and pieces from that. I also uh, went on to... The Illinois Historical Society, It's a, there's a site called Build Your Own Main Street, mm-hmm. and they have about a dozen free paper buildings. Nice. And uh, I downloaded all of those and started playing with them to try and change them around. And like I say, the, the key to the method that I use is having... Uh, a large part source mm-hmm. and you know whether that part source is from clever models or whether it's from free sites or whatever uh, once you develop a part source then you can just pull parts uh, import parts from anywhere you want to make whatever you want now when you say part source um you're talking, you know, windows, walls, those windows, brick textures, gotcha. you know, wooden textures. Uh, like you say, just about anything, you know, anything that I uh, that, that you want to put onto a building. Mm-hmm. It's you know, if you find it, if you find it, then you can trace around it, cut it out, and import it onto a building that you want to make. Okay. Now, now we're talking buildings. And and I'm and I'm sure both of you guys can answer this. Maybe I'll get the answer from both of you. Um, can, does it have to be buildings, or is there other type of uh, things that can be made from the paper to make them look realistic? Um, walls or retaining walls and things like that. I mean, are these are there other objects besides the structure? Oh yes, you can make just about anything that you want mm-hmm. out of paper. I mean, if you've ever been to the paper model paper modelers website and so forth uh, there's guys doing planes uh, boats ships right. military models any just about anything you want is right. is available to you in paper um, and those are all good part sources mm-hmm. right uh, oh, okay. because because you know you may not be doing a uh, military model but you might want something that has Rivet detail. Well, military models have rivets. <laughs> right, right. Now, now, Dave, on the on the uh, building part of things, have you built 
other things other from paper other than structures? Yeah, a couple. Um, okay. You're probably not familiar with them, but there's a, a company uh, or, or a site, if you will, uh, called Fiddler's Green, and they publish a lot of different uh, designs, primarily aircraft. What's it called again? Fiddler's Green. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, net. It sounds like a it sounds like a golf course for uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I found it. We can probably make a paper line. golf course if you wanted one. <laughs> uh, well, that too. Uh, but there's uh, people that do oh, wow. uh, ga- gaming, war gaming. Mm-hmm. Uh, make areas like a, a map, if you will, yeah. or a board game, mm-hmm. and a lot of them make their paper make structures out of paper to use on their war games. Okay. So, so that's another place where you can. can well, they got find a ton of stuff on there. Kits. On the Fiddler's Green stuff. Um, so yeah, Brett's Brett's already on the computer looking stuff up. There's airplanes <laughs> and there's helicopters and there's uh, tanks and uh, you, know, you name it, all kinds of military. Yeah. Sure. I I built a number of theirs. Um, you know, it doesn't fit very well on my model railroads, so I don't do a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, but no, I, probably, I meant on, I meant for your model railroad. Have you built any things other than regular structures? I know he's um, uh, Paul had said something about a viaduct that you built. And, yeah. um, and, you know, so there's, I mean, that's, a, that's kind of, it's a structure as well, but, um, didn't know if you had done, you know, anything else made of paper on your actual layout from the side. Well, I, from- did, I did a, a small fishing boat. Okay. Uh, so, you know, that's, and these are kits that I bought, uh, mm-hmm. the fishing right. boat and, uh, and the viaduct are made by a company in, in England called scale scenes. Mm-hmm. And I built a number of their building designs. And a lot of the buildings that I've built have actually been from uh, published designs, call them kits, if you will. To me, a kit is something that supplies you with the materials. Uh, these basically are just uh, designs done on a computer. You have to print them yourself and supply all sure. your own materials. Right so now, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. They're what like what Paul does, basically, uh, if you want to call it a kit. It's a design for a structure. And I do something similar to what Paul does, where he mixes and matches bits and pieces of various kits on his computer. I do it in paper, you know, in real in real form. So I'll take parts and pieces from a number of different kits and put them together uh, in a physical sense to, to make a, a model that, that fits my idea of what should be on the layout. Oh, that's so cool. Now, when you're building, um, before we're going to get into the design work, I want to talk about the building before we do the design work so we can sell, so we can give everybody a visual idea how that, how the model comes together uh, after the design. Do you have, um, you know, it's all, obviously it's, it's paper and it has to be printed. Now, what gives it its form to stay in form? Are you using, uh, are you using uh, basswood or? Underneath, well, in most cases, most cases, the printing is done on uh, card stock paper, which is 
uh, it's usually either 110 pound or 65 pound cardstock, uh, which good and heavy, is yeah. relatively relatively stiff and sturdy. Uh, mm-hmm. They measure about nine, uh, eight to nine thousandths thick, so okay. it's it's about three times the thickness of a standard typing paper. So gotcha. that by itself is relatively sturdy, and that mm-hmm. typically is what I <coughs> print on. And I sometimes will also print on uh, matte photo paper mm-hmm. for a nicer finish. Uh, the matte photo paper is also in about the same range, about 10 mil thick. Uh, most of my buildings I will further strengthen uh, by laminating a couple layers of that paper together or by using a heavier card stock or cardboard, if you will, from mm-hmm. like a zero box. Oh, zero cool. box cardboard makes a real good uh, reinforcing layer. So like and a chipboard that, almost. Yeah. Chipboard, yeah, same thing. Uh, that gets glued on the inside, so it acts as an additional support. Keeps the wall from bowing or puckering or uh, warping or whatever. Mm-hmm. Plus it, it gives a nice solid feel to the building when it's finished. Right. So it's not just one layer of paper. Some people have the mistaken idea that you print these things on a sheet of typing paper and then just glue them together. It's right. a little bit more involved in that. A little more depth than that. It's not so, all It's not all one layer, am I right? So when you're doing, um, a, like say you're doing a storefront, you're doing multiple layers too. You're going... That's, that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. I think that was my main misconception until I started to look deeper into some of the photos that you guys have up. Um, yeah, some of the windows are inset. It's incredible. And it gives them yeah. a depth. Yeah. Um, real quick, just for our listeners that are going to be hearing this, what, where are some places they can go to see some of your work? I know um, we've seen some pictures, but um, there's some places on Facebook or a website that they, they can go check this out. Yeah, I have my own uh, Facebook group that I call Reading and Northern and Scale. Mm-hmm. And I have posted a fair number of my buildings on there, but mostly the end scale stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I've also uh, I gotta find it now because man I haven't used it <laughs> in ages. Uh, but when I when I first started doing this modeling, I put a bunch of stuff on a uh, an online. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's, I guess this photo bucket was the one I used. But I'm trying to find a, the address of it here if I can give you the actual. Uh, where is it? <laughs> it's <fine laughs> here somewhere. Well, Brett will put up a link. There it uh, is. There it is. Reading Engineer's photo bucket. Let me give you the actual number. Oh, yeah. S, S is in Sam. 
happen anyhow. If you go to that photo bucket page, mm-hmm. uh, there's an awful lot of my models. Yeah. I'm going to have to check this out here. But so we have would that. You, would you be, would you object to, uh, to us putting that up on our show notes? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. Okay, good. Not at all. Now, I haven't added anything to that for a good number of years. Mm-hmm. So my most recent works won't really appear there. But they'll be on the okay. Facebook group uh, there, though. But that, that would be a really good place to look to, uh, Get an idea of oh, yeah. my modeling. That's awesome. Cool. There's some, okay. some incredible buildings that you have up on here. Um, now, those are, those are all scales. And there's, there's some there that are HO. There's some that are O. There's some that are N. Uh, I may have even put some up of my airplane buildings and such. Mm-hmm. Airplane boats. Okay. Very cool. I'm not sure anymore. And then, yeah, but so, the only thing... But the only thing I ever designed that wasn't a structure uh, was a stationary boiler that I patterned after the old SS Limited stationary boilers. Oh, oh, nice. Oh, cool. And now, Dave put that together. <laughs> well, there, here's a here's we haven't heard Paul's voice in a while here. We've been, but um, Paul, well, hey, Dave has a lot more to tell you than I do. I can <laughs> I can show you how to do things, but. Uh, Dave we'll, we'll, can tell you how to make them make them work. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, and we're gonna we want to cover both ends of this. So, so now, Dave, <coughs> when you're doing these, um, the uh, there's in inside there's so you're just you're just putting them together with with uh, wood glue on like are they tab? Uh, they're, they're tabbed, obviously, in some places. Yeah, most of it is tabbed, and, and okay. I use uh, mylines. Uh, tacky glue because it's like white glue, but it's it's oh thicker. yeah, that's our favorite glue. Uh, but <laughs> I've also recently, and I say recently, it's been the last couple of years. Uh, when I put layers together to, you know, give additional definition to the features and everything, and I'm laminating sheets together uh, anymore. I use, believe it or not, good old Elmer's. Stick glue. Oh, <laughs> yeah. glue. Yeah. Because for a couple of reasons. First of all, uh, it doesn't run and smear all over every place. It mm-hmm. stays where you put it. It has just enough tack to hold the pieces together mm-hmm. uh, and, until it sets, you know, securely. Uh, but it also doesn't dry immediately. So it gives you a little bit of wiggle time in case you don't get sheets lined up. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, I've tried to use white glue to laminate it. That's mm-hmm. difficult because there's too much moisture in it, and it makes right. the paper pucker, uh, yeah. and you don't want that. No. And I tried using super glue. That doesn't work too good because it sets as soon as you touch them together, and, man, if you don't get them perfect, the first shot, you're done. Sweet. You start over. <laughs> yep. So now, so I I've kind of settled on using the stick glue for laminating, okay. and the uh, aliens, uh, tacky glue for the <clears throat> assembly of the walls. To okay. Each other. Uh, and now the obviously some of the Elmer white glues that you use have a 
a more of a water base to them, especially yeah. if you get something like a school yeah. Don't glue. use the school glue. That's no. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, then, and if you get the wet, I'm guessing. I'm just guessing because I haven't done this yet. But but I'm I'll be damn. I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm going to try this. But um, the white glue, um, I, well, something like school glue, with having that extra water in that glue because it's it's wet. Um, yeah. I imagine it it could ruin the, the print job or run the inks as well if you're not care, careful enough. Well, if you're not careful, yeah. Yeah. Same really yeah. holds yeah. true for super glue. If, if you get that smear on the front side, it'll, it'll be Yeah, what, what I've done in the past is when I run off a copy, mm-hmm. I will spray about two coats of clear on both front and back okay. of each page before I even do any cutting. And that sure. helps. That helps seal the paper. Okay. And uh, it also gives it a little bit of tooth, so that your uh, knife blade doesn't slip as easy. Oh, nice. Now you use a mat, a mat clear. Yeah. Uh, I've used whatever I had available, whether it was Krylon clear, or whether it was you know dull coat or whatever. Right. right. Just to, just to a seal matte it. Matte finish. Yeah, when when you're all done, when you're all done assembling the building, mm-hmm. then you want to go with another coat of matte over top of it to blend everything together. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. But the first, now, but the first application is just to seal the page. Yeah. Now, if you're looking for a different finish other than a, a matte finish, uh, for instance, one of the airplanes that I built, uh, I sprayed it with about, I don't know, three or four coats of, of a clear shellac spray out of a spray oh. can. Hmm. And after about the third coat, it started to develop a really nice gloss finish. Oh, so wow. Not only cool. does it give you a nice, smooth gloss finish, it also strengthens the paper, and it seals it from moisture and makes it last longer. Uh, mm-hmm. now, I haven't had any problem with my ink fading. Some people no. do. Uh, over time, but I, I switched uh, to Epson printer and mm-hmm. their Durabrite ink, which has probably been about six years ago now. Right. And since I started using that, I have had absolutely no fading problem. Uh, early on, my first printer I used was a, an, an HP, and it, it, whatever was in the ink that they were using in that particular printer uh, did not hold up very well. And a couple right. of time, it would fade. The colors would would fade out and change. So uh, I highly recommend Epson, but I know there's other ones that would do just as good a job now. Mm-hmm. And you use just a, an inkjet printer is what you're using? Or? Yeah. Okay, right, cool. Because that's all I have. <laughs> yeah. So I think most of the people but, listening will probably just have the basic yeah. inkjet. Right. Well, I'll be honest with you. I actually like the softer tones that the inkjet gives you than the uh, than a laser jet. Yeah. 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 Uh, because the softer tones tend to blend everything together, whereas the the laser jet in some in some instances make it look cartoonish. It's almost yeah. too vivid. Uh, yep. Not only that, but the laser also tends to have a bit of a glossy. Yeah, some, I've noticed that. Used. When you print large areas of color on a laser, you'll see it's shiny almost. So now, Which when is not you're, a problem if, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Not a problem if you overspray everything with dull coat or something right. like that. But right, uh, you know, I don't. I don't use a laser printer. I, I just use inkjet. Yeah. 
Now, when you're when you're building these, Dave, another question here for you. Um, when you're done and you get the building built or whatever, or during the build, do you do any other? Do you use any other mediums for weathering, like uh, pastel chalks or anything along that lines? Or yeah, you can. Uh, okay, I've I've used uh, pan pastels. Mm-hmm. I've actually used a marker occasionally. I mean, you know, as you take a a light gray uh, marker, I use generally, you know, like a chroma, whatever they call it, or a bic marker. Uh, sure. And if you use just a light gray over top, it just looks like dirt, <laughs> you know, like a oh, wow. street or something like that. Yeah. But you have to be really careful because uh, it makes a lot more effect than what you think it would. Mm-hmm. Same goes with the chalk. Right. Uh, so you try to use powdered chalk or pan pastel or something like that mm-hmm. on, on a plastic or painted building. A lot of times what you put on, just you touch it and it comes off. Right. Or if you hit it with a dull coat, you can't see it anymore. Right. Uh, it doesn't work that way in paper. <laughs> if you put it on paper, it's there. <laughs> it's there. <laughs> yeah, it's well, we do some we do some weathering of paper signs for our for our 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 wood structures, and um, we'll, we'll, so we can attest to that. I've used on those paper signs, um, uh, uh, not just the pastel chalks, but um, you know some. Uh, oil paints and such like that to uh, to make streaks and rust streaks and things like that. Um, so, I mean, the techniques are I'm, I'm sure can be applied to the buildings the same way. I mean, you're just going to have to be careful and go light. Um, yeah, sure. well, one of the things I do is uh, I'm a smoker, so uh, I have access to ashes, and a lot of times I will just uh, shadow something or whatever, I will wet my finger just a bit, put some ashes on it, and smear that on the page where I want it. That where I want a little bit of excess uh, yeah. weathering and shadowing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. That's not a no. reason to start smoking, though. <laughs> no, no, no. You can you can do the same thing with graphite, scrape <laughs> yeah, a pencil that, that or be, whatever. That might be a lot safer. Uh, but, some fellows have used uh, things like. Uh, Colored pencils uh-huh. to do their weathering. You can use colored pencils. You can use actually, it's it's easier, I think, to weather a paper structure than it is a, a painted plastic. One. Yeah, the weather, as you as you point out, the weathering stays there. It, yeah, it yeah. sticks better. Huh. Well, the well, problem that I would say is with it is that you can't wash it off and start over again like yeah. you could with a plastic building. Because once the water hits a paper building, <laughs> uh, time to throw it in the garbage can. <laughs> now, now you guys have said that you've designed some of your own. Are they available for people to uh, print or access? Uh, I usually, you know, I've, I, I've I've been doing this for a number of years now. Yeah. And as I pointed out to Dave, I've never charged anybody anything. I enjoy this. My hobby actually is designing designing the paper buildings. And oh, okay. I enjoy I enjoy the challenge of it, and uh, I've given a lot of my pa- paper uh, paper designs away. And you know, you'll find a bunch on Dave's site. You'll find some on uh, uh, a few other Facebook pages. Okay, you're talking about on Dave's uh, group there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, that's pretty cool so that you another, guys are. There's another uh, Facebook group called Mail- Model Rail Buildings, mostly paper. I've found that one. Yeah. And uh, some of our work has been posted there. Generally, also... both of us will post our uh, designs free of charge. We don't charge for them. Oh, okay. And cool. what I generally try to do is, is I'll post a photo of a model that I built along with the drawings that I've made to build that model. So if somebody wants to build it, they have not only the, the drawings to work from, but they have something to see what it should sort of look like. I don't know that. Yeah. Uh, I have charged for a couple of my models, but mostly ones where uh, I've done it on commission. Mm-hmm. Been specifically asked to do mm-hmm. something. It was a, uh, sure. a specific project. Yeah, I have a friend that lives in Panama City, uh, Panama, mm-hmm. and gosh, we go way back. I mean, we were we were college roommates. We were in the same high school together, and so on and so on. He's building a model in Panama, and he's got very few resources down here to, to help him. And. Uh, we're chatting back and forth, and he happened to mention, could I, or did I think I could build him a station? He wanted a replica of the Union Pacific Station in Green River, Wyoming. And, of course, you do a search on the Internet, you, you're not going to find any models available that. There just aren't any. Right. So, so I said, well, yeah, yeah I'll probably I'll give it a shot anyway. Well, <laughs> I ended up making him the my version of the Green River uh, Railroad Station. Now, it's only three-sided because the backside is blank because it faces away from the viewer on, on a shelf-type setting. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do the backside, and I had to reduce it quite a bit because if I had built it the same configuration as a real one, it would have overwhelmed this layout. But uh, as it turned out, it's still 12 inches wide. And <coughs> And uh, it looks pretty good on his layout, must admit. <laughs> now, I did charge for that, and I also charged a fellow in Texas who wanted a model of the wedding chapel that he was being married in. Oh, cool. So I designed it and built uh, a model of that. And then the... Yeah, I think we. I, I think we both spent. I think we both spent weeks on finding the right texture by finding the right stone texture, <laughs> looking through textures. dot com and other other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it turned, it turned out real well. In fact, I built uh, six of them to get all together. Five of them were built for the actual wedding venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that then they gave away to couples that were married there. Oh, very good. Cool. That Green River Station, I just looked it up. That's a beast. That's a yeah, big yeah, station. Yeah. 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 Very cool. I think it's neat that you guys keep it, um, you know, pretty open to the rest of the community, too. It's 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 something that, obviously, you find it's very rare in the hobby um, that it's just so accessible. And, really, the tools that are available to do it are very minimal so you know people don't have to worry about it's a low barrier of entry if they want to try these paper models exactly and and the thing is it's you know it's it's a very forgiving medium yeah. if you want to bash something into you know into a larger structure you just make more prints right you know and uh and i'm sure they're easy to edit 
you know, you want to make a wall longer and you have some minor right. photo editing skills, you can copy paste it and make it a longer wall. Exactly. Well, Dave, Dave, I'm not Dave, Paul, show us or tell us, can't show us, but tell us, you know, what, how you do to design them, what you use and, you know, what, you know, what some of your, well, obviously I, you're not going to teach us in a short time here, but, but, um, just give us a rundown. I actually like to start with a given structure because I know the parts will fit. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I will do is I will take, just like you would do a plastic kit bash or whatever, I will take a given structure and I will stretch it. I will move it, move things around. And uh, one of the... uh, uh, one of the buildings that I did, which was a really simple building uh, that everybody seems to like, is the goat milk goat milk dairy, and uh, that's that's one where all I did was I took an existing Clever Models kit and I retextured it from a uh, from a metal building to a wood siding building, uh, reworked the windows a bit. And made the building a little bit longer and added a loading dock. And then a little bit of signage here and there. And uh, bingo, I came up with a uh, building that, uh, like I say, seems to hit everybody's hot button. (laughs) Well, it it looks nice. Uh, It has a nice appearance to it. And I think, Mm -hmm. let's see, uh, Paul has, uh, even though he has just one usable eye, (laughs) he has a good eye for uh, color and proportion of what would look nice on a building. Now, I, sometimes I take odds with it because he doesn't measure anything. He does it all by eye. And I'll have a building, for instance, I'm working now on, on buildings for my layout, and I want them to be pretty darn close to um, a replica of the real buildings. And sometimes he strays off a little bit. <laughs> he says, well, I think it would look better this way. <laughs> And, and so we get into uh, a situation. Yeah, Dave, Dave, lets, Dave lets the prototype uh, influence him, and I, on the other hand, am a, if you must, I'm an artist. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I do whatever whatever I think looks good at the time. That's... Uh, one, one of the problems that uh, Dave has with my, my designs is uh, I like windows, and uh, most of my buildings... Are I'll make. be the first to say I have too many damn windows in them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, my dad and I are very much the same kind of yin and yang with that because um, I don't like to measure and be extraordinarily precise with stuff. And my dad is not that he's um, super meticulous with it, but he likes to take his time a little bit more, be a little bit more methodical with stuff. And I'm just one to just rip into a building and just start you know, going at it well, without like, much, without, not th- without care, but just, just get into it. Yeah. Well, like one of the standard rules of thumb that I have, and I design everything in HO, uh-huh. is a typical door is roughly around seven feet and one inch, one actual inch scales out to about seven feet, three inches. Mm-hmm. So if I make a door an inch high, then I know I'm pretty close. Right. <laughs> right. Sure. To the eye, it's it's close enough. Like it, you're not unless someone gets down there with a ruler and measures it with a scale ruler, they're going to be fine. Right, 
Right. My door might be my my door might be thirty inches wide as opposed to thirty six, or yeah. it might even be forty two inches wide, but it still looks good. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> One of the nice things about structure modeling is. Uh, in, in the real world, there's there's a lot of variation. There's not not every window is the same size, not every door is the same size. And you're not dealing with something as finite as four feet eight and a half inches uh, between your railheads. Right. Okay. So it can be just an approximate. That's kind of like a, like I told on that station I made for Roy. It's not an exact copy. Um, the, the real one, I don't even know what the dimensions are. I never went to Wyoming to measure it. Uh, but visually, anybody that looks at the model says, oh, yeah, I recognize that. You know, that's the Green River Wyoming station, even though it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can get away with that in right. structures much better than you can in, in say, a model of a boxcar. Oh, yeah. Automotive. Much it's much more. You can get you get a little bit a little bit more artistic freedom with a building. Exactly. Exactly. You know, like like on Dave's layout right now, he just finished the uh, the uh, the ops house on his uh, Port Clinton Station mm-hmm. Operations Center, and uh, I actually did that, designed that for him, as well as the station. And I'll be the first to tell you, other than the uh, the scalloped uh, portion of the operations center. There isn't a thing on there that is part of the actual building. <laughs> oh wow! Uh, Everything was basically uh, just from my, for, you know, looking at the photos and then picking my textures that I had available and working them into it. The station's the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one of those where I had some siding that was that was similar, so I just looked at the photo and started assembling the building. And what I did was I used uh, the windows as my spacing for the size. Mm-hmm. And so I have absolutely no idea how large or how small the building is, but by judging by guess by guesstimating from the windows i'm probably pretty close if you throw a throw a tape on the on the actual building more pretty close i would say now guys if you look at my uh group page or the reading northern end scale you're going to mm-hmm. see the two large uh barn red buildings on there uh one is the locomotive uh diesel locomotive shop and the other is the car shop and just to tell you how my methods of design differ from Paul's, uh, I use a, a software program called Model Builder. It's published by Evan Designs. Mm-hmm. I think the download is like $39, I think, for the program. But what I did on those is I was actually to the facility, and I stepped off the length of the uh, locomotive shop and estimated it to be about 150 feet long. So what I did is I used one of these standard uh, palette textures for siding on a model builder program that I thought looked pretty close, and and it does look pretty close. And I drew that out as a uh, wall, if you will. You're working with 
You're not working with lines on that program. You're working with images. Right. So it all goes by, uh, <laughs> you know, not raster. What's the other one? Pixel, Vec- I guess, or something. Uh, anyway. Yeah. But I laid out that, that uh, wall to be 150 feet long. And I said, yeah, it's probably 20, 24 feet high. Maybe the clear locomotives are probably about 24. So I made it 24 feet high. And when I was at the site, I took some digital photos of the actual windows and end doors on the shop. And I was able to reduce those in size, crop them to what I needed, crop out any background, and insert them into the model builder uh, design program by calling importing, to import an image. Mm-hmm. And then you could size it to whatever you want it to be. So that's what I did with the windows. I sized it to what looked to be about right and then duplicated it and put 12 of them on the side of the building. And that's basically how I, how I designed it. In other words, I don't, uh, I don't totally rely on like an image of the building. But what I will do is try to get an image of a component, be it the windows and doors primarily, because they're the most critical. And then I will uh, import them into the design screen of my model builder program. And uh, the windows can also be imported from something like uh, oh, textures.com. Textures.com, right. Uh, an online uh, site where they have all kinds of <laughs> Images posted photos that are free to download, and you can take those and digitally plug them into your design program, or in Paul's case, he puts them into his paint program. Yeah. Now this is something that we couldn't do as modelers until the recent era of all this uh, manipulation of photographs of you know Paint Shop and Photoshop and, and all these other programs. So to me, it's opened up a whole new uh, avenue of modeling uh, using paper and images that we couldn't do 20 years ago. Just didn't have the technology. Right. Uh, it's you amazing. Know. It's amazing what's out there right now to to do this. Yeah, yeah like the sure. Like on the on the Atlas Tool and Die company that Dave is working on right now. The uh, the big garage door on the front of the building, or actually the back of the building, uh, that's one that that was a double door uh, that I picked up off of uh, textures.com, and I made it a triple door by just slicing part of it and re-splicing it back together, and uh, it's what you see is what I've got. I mean, I, the the one thing I am good at is fabricating parts from other parts. Like I will take uh, a standard four-pane window and I will add mullions. So I may make a 12-pane window out of a four-pane window. Oh, wow. And, and you uh, do, and so you do everything in paint, like you said earlier. Yes, I MS do everything paint. with paint, right. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons I started with paint is I was modeling with a friend of mine for for years until he passed away, and I started using paint just to make signage. Uh-huh. So I was familiar with paint, 
And just like Dave, I bought the model builder program, but the early model builder program had a habit, bad habit of crashing. Mm-hmm. And it would crash to the point where you would have to reload it. And uh, I went to reload it the one time and found out my disc was damaged. Oh, no. So that was what led me to, well, hey, I know how to use paint. Let's see if I can make something out of paint. And that's what got me started using paint to do this with. Nice. Uh, And from there, I just developed a lot of workarounds and things like that so that I can do, you know, most of the things that you can do with Photoshop with paint. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot more steps. But it's really not that difficult once you once you learn how to play with the workarounds. Nice. About the only drawback using paint is the resolution. It's like seventy-two DPI uh, or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's ninety-six DPI. But yeah, it's 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 not. It's it's good layout quality, but it's not resale quality as mm-hmm. far as I'm no, concerned. And it's it's not contest quality so some of the guys who have downloaded uh, false kits and try to build them oh, this isn't very good I like this such and such better what they fail to realize is first of all they got it for free right they didn't pay a, they didn't pay a nickel for either of our <laughs> yeah really I mean geez <laughs> with for your time yeah. and, and 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 building and testing and trying they got it for absolutely free so don't shoot the, the messenger. You know? <laughs> yep. It's one of those where, hey, if you don't like it, don't build it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean. So, you know, I like to use a higher resolution. Uh, I don't know what model builder is, but most of the time when I uh, import an image, I'll put it in at at least 150, uh, sometimes 300 DPI because I like things a little bit sharper. But then I design my buildings in end scale and if it's too coarse, boy, it just looks terrible. Yeah. Now, when yeah, Paul I mean, makes a design in Paul, or in HO, and I reduce it with my printer, it actually make a, makes it look sharper. Mm-hmm. So some of his designs, if you took the HO and blew it up to S scale or O scale, it might look really, really coarse. But that's because you're stretching all those pixels. Very. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I get that. I mean, and the um, doing it in end scale is is got to be tougher, obviously, than, than doing it on. You know, it's tough enough to build. We have some of our listeners that are probably listening to this show on Friday when this goes out. They'll be listening. Um, they might be very interested in this because you know they they build their some of these guys build their own end scale structures from you know scratch. I mean, yeah. these guys are amazing modelers. But, um, you know, there's so many applications I can see right now off the bat that you can do with this to help, you know, with background structures in both HO and N. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it, which you can you can do your, your craftsman kits. If you like building the craftsman kits with the wood, put them up front and put the, the paper structures in the rear. And, and fillers, it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, heck, you, especially if you're, you know, we're... We're viewing at what we, I guess we would call that a, uh, a social distancing distance <laughs> now, right? And, um, <laughs> but, you know, and, and there's so many, 
we even saw a product, guys. Uh, we even use the product. It's made. I don't know who makes it, but the guy that we buy it from has a company called. He's friends with Jeff uh, Grove as well. His name's uh, Mark Schreier, and uh, he has Foggy Mountain Models. Yeah, and um, he has a product on his website that he makes out of paper as well. And we textured used it. paper. It's, te- it's textured paper. And it has an image of brick sheets, and it's stone. all brick, you know, different, sto- different stones, different bricks. And then you can buy it printed on this paper that has a, an actual texture that you can feel. Em- embossed, yeah. yeah. Uh, embossed, yes. And it's, it's absolutely great. We've used it. Doug, uh, Jeff uses it on his, uh, the, the foundations of some of the structures that he sells as well. And, um, and so it's put into his kits. So there, I, there's there's applications for paper out there that you know I think are awesome for the structure building, and then you know, from what you guys are telling us with the structure building, and I see where you could take some of this stuff and actually use it for I said earlier about maybe a retaining wall. That's what we did with our our yeah. text our texture papers. Um, you know, especially if that retaining wall is in the distance, they're not going to be able to really you know get a real big eyeball on it. You know. Um, I think you know, I'll mention too is that paper structures, uh, is they're done the way Paul and I are doing them, and most of your uh, commercial uh, designers presently are doing, is you start with a photograph. So, and you turn that photograph into a printed paper uh, side or structure, if you will, or window, or whatever it might be. You know what? When you photograph it, it looks like a photograph of a building yeah. because yeah. it is a photograph. Yeah, right. photographs to start with. A lot of the and ones, your models. I'm oh, sorry. I was going to say a lot of the ones you have on there are extremely realistic, and in fact, the textures are almost—they uh, almost look like you'd reach out and touch them, and you could feel the yeah. texture on the wall. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm in no way saying put some of those to the rear. <laughs> I'm saying uh, so those, some of the structures that I've seen that you have built, you have windows yeah. that are inset and they're three dimensional. And um, I think that's amazing. Uh, you know, I guess it's not that would be you know multi-dimensional. Yeah, and uh, that oh, really yeah. gives it. Uh, it brings a different realism all together, right there. This harkens back to my scratch building days using stripwood. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do the same thing with paper. The only difference being that uh, I don't have a laser cutter, and I wouldn't know how to set one up and do the designs to use one if I had one. <laughs> but the, the cutting uh, does get kind of tedious, especially in end scale. Uh, oh, I'm sure. I'm trying to cut a, a piece of paper, uh, you know, a 64th strip, a 64th <laughs> or a 32nd sure. of an inch wide. Without bending it or ripping it. it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's <laughs> just like us. some way to glue it. I'm sure smearing glue all over everything else. I'm sure you guys are just yeah. like us. There's many a nights where you're cutting something and you're like swearing at yourself because you rip it or you tear something you didn't want to and yeah. you got to print multiple copies just to have on hand in case you have a, an issue. Yeah. I, I got some fellows now that are trying to build some of the uh, models that, that basically Paul and I have introduced them to. And one guy said, damn, he's, he's printed it all, well, it's a clever model. And he said, he's printed it 14 times already just trying to make <laughs> one window. But, you know, that's part of the learning curve. It's just like anything else in a hobby. Oh, yeah. You don't start out an expert. No. It takes years and years. And lots, lots of, of patience and lots of well, years. 
Well, I got some questions here from our listeners. Before you do those questions, before okay, you, I want—I just want to ask one thing for myself, and then we'll go to the, our listener questions, and we'll wrap up. Um, yeah. So we have a lot of listeners that do craftsman kits and wood structures and, and kit bashing and scratch building, all whole sorts. Now, what would you recommend somebody who uh, may have experience doing other kits, plastic, wood, anything, styrene? Um, that have not done a paper kit. Is there something in particular you'd recommend going to do first or trying first? Um, well, sure I that, would uh, say keep it simple, stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> That's with everything. Uh, and it's it's one of those because paper is a whole new skill set. Right. No matter what you've done, like he says, when you're trying to do a one thirty second strip or whatever, uh, trying to do it with super light, you have to do it with super light cuts. You can't try and do it all at once or the paper curls like crazy. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a skill set that you have to learn. I use a lot of straight edge razor blades as opposed to the X-Acto knife. I like them better. Uh, the X-Acto number 11 blade happens to be just a little bit too sharp as far as the point is concerned, and it's hard to control by having a good flat edge like a like, like that of a uh, uh, a single single edge razor blade. I can push the single edge razor blade up against the uh, rule, uh-huh. and I get good straight lines. So I don't get any wiggling or anything on that order. Ah, yeah. One of the one of the biggest things I think that that probably uh, newbies have have got to. Uh, get used to and that is that you have to keep a sharp blade in your knife okay uh, you know single edge blade is, is good but they get dull pretty quick mm-hmm. uh, cardstock has a tendency to, to make your blades dull really everything fast. whether it's a number 11 or whether it's a razor yeah. blade it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter you make half a dozen cuts with it and your blade is dull huh. yeah. and when your blade is dull it'll wander it won't make a nice clean straight cut and it'll buzz the paper or sometimes even tear it uh, what I use most of the time and I like is I use a 9 millimeter snap off blade knife Oh yeah. Uh, the one I have to like is made by Olfa, O-L-F-A, it's a Japanese mm-hmm. And they make a couple of different styles of, of blades to fit it. Uh, the one I use is called an ABB blade, and it's a super sharp blade. And But even with that, you make half a dozen cuts or so, and you got to snap the end off and get a new tip, because it'll, it'll start to get dull. Right, and sure. And sometimes... The very tip, which is what you're doing to cut and with, cutting with, sometimes that'll that'll break off, and then you get actually like a little chip out of it, and and then that that just totally ruins your cut. You just try to cut uh, yeah, yeah, you don't want that, obviously. So you know the, the tools are simple, mm-hmm. but uh, you you need to use good quality, and and you need to be aware of what you're doing with them. Right. Oh. Right. Okay. So, so some of the questions I got going, we're gonna throw some listener questions. We're gonna start with one you guys may actually, a guy you actually may know. Um, his name is Daniel Banks. He says, "I have just started talking to Paul, but I frequently chat with David." And uh, he said he would like to know what printer settings work the best. We did his other part of this question was, "How do you feel on?" Li- 
color laser print, uh, laser prints, and inkjet printers. So we've we've already discussed that. But we've already his, touched on that. Yeah. Right. But but we have what printer settings work best? From do you guys know? Do you guys remember Dan? He's an end scaler. Yeah, the best setting that your printer will put out. Whether yeah, it's what your, your highest, thing, whatever whatever the highest setting is on your printer, use it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like mine now has a uh, a high speed print rate and a slow or normal or whatever. And I will use the slowest uh, printing rate and okay. the highest uh, print resolution that my printer can do. And I use that on every single model, uh, irregardless of what scale it is. Okay. Oh, that's, that's great. Now, see, Dave. Dave put me on to the uh, uh, to the printer that I'm using now. But before that, I had a Kodak printer, and I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a uh, it was it, it was just a breeze to use. No matter what I did, it came out good. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, I don't know if Kodak does Kodak even make printers anymore. No, they I'm don't sure, make yeah. anything anymore. No, it's a shame. So it, they're the, they're, the, they're the, Kodak's the king of photos, right? Uh, so, yeah. yeah now, when, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, when the Kodak died, it was one of those where, oh, man, because I wasn't happy with what I saw from my daughter's printer. She has an HP. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was one of those where, okay, I went printer shopping. Mm-hmm. And that's when I come up with well, that's when I come up with uh, the Epson that Dave advised. Right, right. I'm satisfied with it, but it's still not as easy as my old Kodak was. <laughs> <laughs> yep, now, we don't make a Kodak anymore. <laughs> no, no. So uh, now, the next question is from Ron at, um, at Mind Mount Models, and uh, he he has a company that makes structure kits, and he says. What are the best types of paper and uh, the weights? You know, we did cover that a little bit, and the best adhesives. But uh, what's he? he what's he? Wh- one of the questions, the third part of this question, we answered the first two, but uh, he says about touching up the paper edges. What do you guys use for that? Uh, that's probably a good question for me to answer. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. <laughs> I've I seen fellows use different uh, methods. Uh, I think everybody kind of develops what their personal own preferences. Uh, I like to use an ink marker, usually the alcohol-based, but water-based will work as well. Um, I buy a lot of my stuff from a Blick, uh, Dick Blick on online, because I sure. don't have any stores close by. <coughs> it's an art supply store, mm-hmm. and they've got probably 10 different kinds of markers that they sell. <laughs> and uh, I usually buy the the cheapest one. <laughs> sure. But, uh, what they are is, is it's just, they have usually two tips. They'll have one, which is a, a broad, either a felt tip or a brush tip. Mm-hmm. And then they'll have a, a narrower, like a hard nylon point tip or whatever. Right. And what you do is just quickly swipe along that cut edge. Uh, and you do it from the back side of the paper, from the unprinted side. So if your hand happens to slip, and your marker goes down over the paper, it goes across the back side and not across where you uh, just printed that beautiful. Uh, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
because you want to cover every single uh, place where you've cut. Mm-hmm. Like all around the windows, if you're cutting your windows out, you need to color, color all around the window cutout openings, the door cutout openings. If you do any trim work uh, that goes over top of the wall, you got to edge around all those trim pieces inside mm-hmm. and outside. Uh, you need to cut or trim any cut edges on the outside wall where they may butt together. Or sometimes uh, if you miss one, <laughs> you'll see it. If you take a picture, <laughs> oh, yeah, it sticks out so like a sword a thumb. white line right where you didn't want it. Sure. Oh, yeah. That, like we always use it, uh, taking a photo as a double check for all of our work, too. And yeah. one of the things that, I, that, that I've used in the past and I really like is I get one of the carpenter's square, uh, uh, pencils with the square lead. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I will break break away the wood, and I will use the square lead, and I will use the I will use the the, the lead to actually in uh, shadow inline the window. Oh, uh, that's like Dave's too. doing with the uh, marker. Uh-huh. Uh The gray the gray works on just about every color that you want because it just adds a little bit of depth. Oh yeah, that's only, a great idea. The only problem I've had was using pencil lead, and it works fine for most cases. But because I'm on an end scale and I have a lot of times I have like a trim piece that's only a sixteenth of an inch wide, uh you're trying to color the edge of that piece, uh, when you use a lead pencil or a colored pencil, you have to put a little bit of pressure on it in order to get the lead to transfer to the paper. And sometimes the pressure is enough that it will crumple up and deform the piece that I'm trying to color. Oh yeah. So I I like using a marker because it just barely touch it, and it almost instantaneously. Yeah, it wicks right into the paper. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, the next question here is from Jake Johnson, and uh, Jake Johnson is um, a uh, worked with Disney as an Imagineer as one. So he's a, a professional modeler, and uh, he has some questions here. He says, share some techniques. He's been a guest on our show as well. And he says, uh, share some techniques with us uh, that will make uh, paper structures look more three-dimensional. And, well, uh, I think we've done that. Yeah, I did. And the layering, more... la- layering and uh, laminating. laminating parts and layering it, uh, you can't get any better than that. Uh, like the one nice of the thing things about that too is that the further away it gets from the viewer, the less of that you have to do. Right. Uh, particularly if the original design has good uh, coloring and and shading or shadowing already designed in. Uh, Clever models is I think one of the best as far as the illustrations. Uh, he does some very fine. Uh, design work and that his textures are uh, they're either done from photographs that already have the shading and shadowing and highlighting in place Uh, I think that's mostly what he does but he may on occasion actually draw a piece and do the shading and shadows and such and if it's done properly uh, you really can't tell that that piece is not layered because it, it looks like it jumps right out off the page hmm. because of the shading chattering. Yeah, like uh, a good example of that, and I don't know whether 
Dave can pop up at the Yellow Farmhouse. Uh, I did. I designed the Yellow Farmhouse from a Clever Models kit uh, for their. It was a single story building. I made it a two story building, and uh, I sent Dave a copy, and he built it, and he didn't layer anything, and just the colors that are used on it and the shadowing in it, uh, you would swear the building has depth. Nice. So now we got a question here from Dazzy J. I'm sorry, did you have something to add to that? Go right ahead. Well, I just said the use of photo, uh, photo textures, in other words, uh, designs or drawings, if you will, that were originally photographs has gone a tremendous distance in making these buildings look realistic. Uh, old-time card buildings that probably most of your listeners will be familiar with, those were drawn uh, on a drawing board. Yeah, they're pencil, they're, they're pencil and line sketches. They're cartoonish. Exactly. Right. And, I guess, and I guess that's... Because they are flat. I guess that's my biggest complaint with the uh, Fiddler's Green models, is they are the the colors that they they use. I think are just too bright, and uh, to me, they've always been cartoonish. But there again, by taking the basic structure and retexturing it with photo textures, uh, you can take what looked like a cartoon to start with and come up with a very very good quality building. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, this next question is da- from a guy we call Dazzy J. That's what he calls himself. He is from Australia, and he says, um, "Now he kind of touched on you know what um, if we we're going to weather uh, if more weathering is required, do you seal the paper first?" So we did talk on that, but he wants to know: Would you use uh, a photo paper fixture uh, or photo photo paper fixative? Uh, like what they have in Australia, um, I don't. I don't know much about photo paper fixtures, uh, fixatives. Um, do you use anything along that lines? I'm guessing. What would you use as a? I know we talked about the types. Do you have a particular brand of? Uh, well, I know. I know here we. You know, clear Krylon is used as a photo paper fixative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I'm sure what they're using is something very similar, mm-hmm. or something like a uh, you know like a hairspray, which is a clear lacquer. Right. So uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. that you know. What they're using is is basically similar to what we uh, what we have here. And he sent a message to Brett here on the same question, saying, uh, "You need to mo- you need to be careful with a spray in his part of the world as it is upside down." <laughs> so. <laughs> just spray upwards. Yeah, because right in your it just you got to be careful. Get spray your face by accident. Well, that covers our, stand our, on your head. Gentlemen, that covers all our questions uh, from the listeners. I mean, we had some that are, I didn't read off because they're absolute total well, repeats well, no, of but, what we covered. Yeah, some of them, we, a lot of it we covered. So I know Lynn asked a couple questions and uh, there were a few yeah. other ones in here and we actually covered them right before we got into our Patreon questions. Yeah. So. Yeah. so we appreciate you guys out there that uh, sent the questions in and um, hopefully... Uh, they've been answered pretty well for you, um, but guys, we we loved having you on the show. Yeah, um, it was. Great. I, I'm going to post some links up onto our 
our uh, for everybody to check out on the show notes. I actually on our want web. to try to use some more of these textures. I found some of these texture sites that you were talking about, and if anything, even if I use them for like some sidewalls or some back alleyways, and um, the the other thing I've been looking for some different types of. Uh, foundations we're big on making sure we add foundations to our buildings because a lot of buildings you see people put them right down on the ground of their layout without foundation so i think if anything a lot of our craftsman modelers can take if they don't you know i i i advise them all to check out all your paper models as well but if they don't take anything else from this they could definitely take use more printed stuff in all of their craftsman modeling it works it works hand in hand with each other oh yeah i mean a lot of you know a lot of craftsman kits uh use paper texture yeah. to begin with yeah uh for roofing and like you say a lot of times foundation work and things like that definitely sure. uh one of the things that i've done in the past and it works just fine is if you take uh <coughs> one of the you know, if you're looking for actual three-dimension and, and relief, uh, you can actually take a uh, paper texture and put it on a piece of styrofoam and then with a stylus trace trace your lines out. Oh, yeah. And then when you lift it, you've got your brick, you've got your brick or your stone pattern. Oh, that's a great idea. I love it. And, and um, one of the... Uh one of, another thing you can do with paper as well, we've had another guest on. Um, you may be familiar with Lance Mindheim. And yes. um, Lance was on as a guest, and he talked about using photos uh, on paper. And he he's taken photos, of aerial photos that he's found, even off of, uh, like, um, the, the well, I guess it would be, like, Earth, Google Earth and things like that. Where he's taken zoomed in on parking lots and taken the paper for, and made concrete, taken real concrete photos from above, yeah. and used them on as a paper surface on the ground. I mean, there's a million ideas that, that you could use. A whole lot more realistic than anything I could ever paint. Yeah, and probably yeah. most other models. It saves too. a ton of time too. Oh, so sure. did I send? Did I send you my email uh, address? Uh, you did. You did not. But if you could, if you want to do that tonight, that would be fantastic. I will. I will send it to you and give it to your give it to your son Brett mm-hmm. and yes. have him email me. Brett, if you're if you're listening, which I you am. are, uh, email me and I will send you a little kit that I've been playing with love for it. quite a while. I would love to do that. And uh, in fact, I'll send you a couple of things to play with. I would <laughs> love that. All right. So awesome. That'd be fantastic. I would like to build. I, I definitely want to build one as well, guys. We appreciate you being on the show tonight and taking time out of your evening to be with us and share your craft. It is and it's new for us. Craft. It was new for it's us. Totally and we learned new. a bunch. So yes, yes. <laughs> okay, you, and, you guys take care. Thank and you. It's been you, nice being on. You do the same. It was you a guys pleasure. The link to let you know where where to uh, to catch a show as well. All right. Awesome, guys. Have a great evening. Thanks, gentlemen. Have a good evening. And stay safe. All right. Bye-bye. I'll send you that email list right now, uh, that email address right now. Bye-bye. Thank you.